We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, Nick Whalen and I are going to draft skill positions, not you know, the offensive skill players accepting quarterbacks from top teams. We're also going to review the first week of the preseason. All coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Circa, from Fantrax, and Real- Rival Fantasy. Uh, we appreciate all their sponsorships. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Uh, those of you joining us live, as well as those of you who pick up, listen wherever you get your podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Nick, preseason uh, week one is in the books. Uh, how how are you? How is your reaction to those games? I'm great. I'm great. Had a good weekend. Watched a, a decent amount of football. Uh, you know, starting with Thursday night, we were live on SXM during Texans Pats. We we caught the end of Viking Seahawks later in the night. I was just telling you off air, like I I love the preseason, especially week one of the preseason because football's back. We you know, especially with the the rookie quarterback classes that we have pretty much every year, especially this season. You know, you're really excited to get a first look at C.J. Stroud, get a first look at Bryce Young, and I, I always love the first series of the game for each team. And then it's just like a slow degradation from there. And, and by the end of the night, you feel like you're watching like a Tuesday night action game. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm excited and uh, really more excited that we continue to inch closer to week one. Yeah, that's the, that's the point. And I think that's that there. We're just trying to find meaning. We're trying to. And hey, we all want to find our little gem. We all want to kind yes. of have our takeaway that's going to help us win our league. Sometimes it ain't it. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. But uh Let's jump into it here. And I wanted to focus on the start off on the rookie quarterbacks uh, because, okay. hey, they're the ones that are getting some some playing time here, starting to see how they uh, work, work in uh, to everything here. Let's start off with the first game. C.J. Stroud threw a pretty bad interception, was feeling the pressure, mm-hmm. didn't have his top receivers. He didn't have Damian Pierce. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to derive too much meaning out of the whole exercise. But what was your take on the, the on him and that 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 offense? Yeah, I think, you know, first things first, everybody's going to you know, share the clip of the interception. It was ugly. It was pretty ugly. I think he waited a little too long. He telegraphed exactly where he was throwing it. And, uh, you know, it was a veteran defender. I believe it was Jalen Mills who had the pick. So uh, one of those things where, you know, I think you expect any quarterback drafted in the top five to look a little bit better. But more often than not, this is how it goes. You know, even yeah. for the elite prospects, whether they turn into Pro Bowl caliber players or not, uh, you know, everybody typically has blemishes this early in the season. It's a lot different going into a first preseason game than going through, you know, what's essentially scripted practices. So, uh, you know, alarm bells didn't really go off for me. You know, I thought Stroud was under a pressure pretty much every time he dropped back. I think he was only sacked one time, took like a 15 yard loss early in the game. Uh, but, but New England was getting after uh, the, the, the Texans quarterbacks, whether it was Stroud, Davis Mills or Case Keenum later in the game. I, my only real takeaway here is I, I wish we would have seen a little bit more of CJ Stroud. Like he played that yeah. first series through the pick and then that was it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, had had a connection with Nico Collins on that first drive. Interesting that Collins was playing and a couple other guys were not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like Collins is one of the like the wide receiver I want to draft the most on the Texans, and maybe I don't want to now. I don't know. And again, well, 
Go ahead. You're right. It's kind of it's this weird dichotomy where it's like, okay, you, you want to see these guys play, especially with the new quarterback, but then it's also somehow a bad sign if they're even active for the game. It's like, right. oh, the coach must not like them. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, I think this is unique because Houston, you know, it, this time of year you hear the cliche. It's like, hey, you know, every spot's all 22 spots are up for grabs right now. Uh, nobody's spot is safe, but that's actually kind of true for the Texans. So yeah. you know, it, you know, Nico Collins played nine snaps. John Mechie also played. Dalton Schultz also played. Uh, that's, you know, that's so a good point. It really. Yeah. Yeah, like Damian Pierce was kind of the only real dude on that offense uh, who was held out. So I, I think Houston's kind of in a different category than some of these other veteran-laden teams. Yeah, and I think this whole thing, too, is, is a reminder that reading the tea leaves of who played and who didn't play is, is kind of BS. Uh, I mean, Josh Jacobs is raising his hand over there in the corner after uh, being forced to play in the Hall of Fame game and then crushing it last year. Yes. So uh, I think we got to be careful not to over-conclude too much. Uh, Bryce Young also struggled in his debut for the mm -hmm. Panthers. Yeah. I mean, kind of similar story for Bryce Young. Uh, you know, no real takeaways one way or the other. I, you know, I don't think you're either, you know, if you were a Bryce Young hater, I don't think you flipped. If you love Bryce Young, I don't, I don't think you all of a sudden, you know, feel like your opinion was wrong there either. Uh, you know, limited sample uh, again with Bryce Young uh, only threw four passes was only out there for a couple series. So a little bit more than CJ Stroud. I mean, at least he didn't throw a pick, but uh, you know, just too small of a sample for me to, to really see anything. And I, I understand, especially Bryce Young, given his stature and whatnot, uh, you know, not wanting to to overexpose him in what's ultimately a meaningless game. But, you know, they, the, the Panthers only use two quarterbacks. You know, they're not one of those teams that wanted to get a look at like their third or fourth guy. You'll, you'll see some teams kind of split the reps evenly almost by quarter. Uh, like Matt Corral threw the ball 22 times in this game. I would have liked to see a little bit more, one or two more series out of Bryce Young. But overall, I, I think it was fine. Yeah, and keep in mind, Corral was kind of an interesting draft pick last year, right? And he suffered that foot injury in the preseason, so they didn't get much of a look at him. I mean, I think they kind of are looking at Corral's like, okay, we got to make a roster decision, maybe not this year, but maybe, uh, because it's hard to keep three and let alone four quarterbacks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I get why they did that there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the other quarterback on your roster, of course, is Andy Dalton. And I think Jake Luton, ex-Jag, uh, is still on that roster as well. So yes. I, I feel like they they probably didn't need to get much of a look there. Um, and like you said, Matt Corral, I mean, had he not gotten hurt at the end of his tenure at Ole Miss, I think we'd be talking about him maybe a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not going to usurp Bryce Young for that number one job. But uh, nonetheless, I think, you know, not just some random dude. I think somebody that they think has some real upside. Yeah, he's kind of hoping to have the Kirk Cousins career path now. Yes. Yes, so. exactly right. All right. Uh, how about Anthony Richardson? Looked okay against the Colts. I mean, against the uh, Bills. Yeah, he did. I, I think we, we saw flashes of, you know, why you like Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, just the, the effortless release, the size. Um, you know, obviously, everybody talked about how he measured up at the Combine and at Pro Day and at the pre-draft practices, but um, or pre-draft process, I should say. But, I mean, it's, it's alarming to see in person how big this dude is. You know, you can kind of understand why – uh, he gets the Cam Newton comparisons. I mean, it's not just the height. It's the the, the sheer width of this guy's body, even with the QB jacket. Uh, it's impressive. It's impressive. Uh, you know, threw a pretty bad interception, but that that's going to happen. I think that was something that uh, shouldn't really surprise anybody, given some of the weaknesses, some of the, the things that he put on tape at Florida last year. But overall, I think you're really encouraged. You know, it, it's not like he broke off a, a long run or anything, but the you know, the longest run of the day, I think it only went for five yards, but the way he finished that run, I mean, lowering the shoulder, you know, putting a defender on his back, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what separates him, I think, from some of these other you know quarterbacks who we label as mobile, but guys you don't necessarily want running, guys you want to get out of bounds, you want him to slide. Um, eventually, as Anthony Richardson's career goes on, I think we'll probably start talking about him in that category, but you know, we, we saw a couple glimpses of, of just how powerful this guy is when you get him out of the pocket. Yeah, it was interesting to see like those who want him to succeed or, uh, you know, are his patrons, you know, they'll spin. It, the spin is funny. Like I was reading Mike uh, oh, yeah. Oreo and he's like, he threw a laser on his interception off his back foot under pressure. I'm like, <laughs> OK, but it was off his back foot under pressure, you know, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it was an interception. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. And it was like the footwork is the thing. It was the critique of him as a thrower. Yep. You know, it's like, this is not a, okay. Yes. His arm is strong. Okay. That's great. Right. His judgment may not be. And that's not so great. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that you, you said it right. I mean, I, no matter what your bias was on Richardson, and I think he's probably, probably the most polarizing of these quarterbacks, just given the, the type of player that he is. I think if you loved him, you love him even more after this game. And if you think he's going to be a bust and he was overdrafted, you probably feel the same way. Yeah. Speaking of busts and overdrafted, uh, 
Trey Lance they got a lot of playing time for the Niners. And they look at the line score. Oh, yeah, he threw a touchdown pass, 10 of 15. He got sacked a bunch. The, the touchdown was like a bing, 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 ricochet play that, where the non-intended receiver caught it after two yeah. defenders deflected it. It was it was a pretty ugly play. But uh, I, I still worry a little bit whether Brock Purdy is going to be ready for the start of the season and for that matter whether Lance or Darnold can do do a whole lot it didn't look too encouraging again a preseason game with not their stars I I think it's going to be Darnold if uh if Brock Purdy's not ready I mean I, I think you know, I think everything you hear about Darnold behind the scenes they've, they've been impressed you know he hit the long one I think it was Roddy Bell uh yep. for, for almost 40 yards down the sideline I mean that was a monster monster throw by Sam Darnold. And, you know, we're already starting to hear that, you know, that uh, narrative emerge that, you know, Sam Darnold, he just hasn't been in the right situation. The talent is still there. Maybe Kyle Shanahan is the guy that could unlock it. And yeah, I, I think if Brock Purdy can't play until let's say week three, week four, I think it's going to be Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, obviously Trey Lance has the, uh, the investment uh, of this front office, but I, I just haven't been impressed. Like he didn't, he didn't look quick to me, like those sacks, you know, it's like, he's, he's the guy that's kind of supposed to be able to run out of those, you know, get to the corner and he just, he wasn't able to do that. He, he looked kind of slow to me. He looked a little indecisive. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the the touchdown pass that he had. That absolutely should have been intercepted or intercepted probably twice yep. uh, before it landed into the hands uh, of Ross Dwelly. So, uh, you know, the, the final line, I think, for Trey Lance looks a lot better than if you go back and actually watch all the snaps. Exactly. Um, one other uh, preseason takeaway for me. Oh, two, actually. One, I was shocked that Mahomes played. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Uh, yeah, I don't I, th- I think sometimes Andy Reid and and he's certainly earned the uh, you know he's kind of earned the the the, the uh, I don't know cachet I guess to do things like this but I feel like he's in like Greg Popovich mode you know where yeah. like like kind of toward the end of like the the Duncan era Pop would like you know there, there's one game where he like started hack a shacking like two seconds into a game and he, you know the camera pans to him and he's just smiling and laughing he's just like just kind of messing around doing things for fun I mean there's no reason whatsoever <laughs> that Patrick Mahomes needed to, to play in this game. He, he you know completed two passes, got out of there. Uh, they went through three other quarterbacks uh, on the day. But yeah, that was that was maybe the, the single most shocking thing we saw all weekend. Yeah, of all the players that don't play, Mahomes does play. It's just wild yeah. to me. Uh, Justin Fields also was the other takeaway. Uh, you know, the, that he was playing, first of all, a little bit because he, you know, he's got to stay healthy. He's coming, you know, had a lot of injury issues. You don't want to see get him exposed too much. Uh, it, it's, it's, he's another one that you evaluated his game on the prism that you view him to begin with. Uh, if you mm-hmm. say, well, oh, he threw two touchdowns, he's, you know, he, he's firing on all cylinders. The haters are like, well, yeah, but they were negative air yards and all that. But yeah. we know he can throw deep. He has right. been able to throw deep. In fact, it's intermediate throws are the ones we're still more concerned about. Yeah, no question. No question. I think it was Brandon Kravitz we were talking to on XM last week who, who said, you know, I, I, you know, Justin Fields is the passer. That was not really that much of a question at the college level. You know, he was never one of those like guys who runs first and he's kind of flipped uh, in the NFL. Obviously, he's become a, a dynamic runner, one of the best at the position. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of the all time misleading box scores. Justin Fields, three of three, 129 yards, yeah. two touchdowns. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, DJ Moore, untouched, 62 yards. Khalil Herbert, basically the same thing. I mean, well-blocked uh, on what were both essentially screenplays out on the edge. But uh, we didn't necessarily see that kind of explosiveness from players not named Justin Fields in this Bears offense last year. Yeah, and I got to say, I like if you're investing in Khalil Herbert, you got to like to see it there. Involved in the passing yeah. game, you know, dynamic play, healthy. These are all Anytime. good things, all good things to ask you. Any other uh, takeaways from you before we move into our main topic? Yeah, I mean, we saw a few teams, uh, you know, kind of talking about Mahomes, play some of their starters. Like on the other side of that game, the Saints basically played everybody. Limited snaps, of course, but we saw we saw Olave. We even saw Jimmy Graham. We saw Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara back in action. Uh, so that was good to see. I mean, the Jags uh, played a couple series with their main guys. Calvin Ridley played 12 snaps. Zay Jones played 11. Christian Kirk played 7. Evan Ingram played 12. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw a pick. Uh, didn't love that. Uh, that was kind of emblematic of the first half of the season for Trevor Lawrence last yep. year. But uh, nonetheless, uh, rebounded with a, a really nice throw to Christian Kirk for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. So I, I, I remain very high on this Jags offense. We'll certainly talk about them you know, when we go through our, our best position groups going forward. But um, yeah, I, I, I just really wish I had not seen that Lawrence pick because I, I gave me some PTSD. I can only imagine how that would. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, before we jump into our topic, a couple things. One quick note from our friends on the Blue Wire Network. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thanks for your indulgence there. And we're also going to share a quick note from our friends at Circa, uh, who we are going to go see in a couple of weeks. Uh, get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home a $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. Join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20 and zero or be the last person standing to win it all. $8 million is guaranteed. $14 million total in guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for details. All right, Jeff and Nick here on the Rotowire podcast. Nick, our, our main topic today, skill position draft. First of all, why don't you explain the concept to everyone a little bit? Yeah, we've been kind of trying to find ways to to mix things up and not just feel like we're you know recapping the weekend in the preseason or just running through our rankings. I mean, everybody does that. You can find all that content on rotowire.com. So instead of just going through and talking about the best fantasy skill position groups in the league. I want to do a draft. You know, this will be our way of ranking. Yeah. So we'll go every other. Um, yeah, I guess we haven't discussed if we want to make it a snake draft. I think we could we could do that. You know, whoever gets first pick, uh, you know, after that, the, the next gets the next two. Uh, but basically, we're taking the quarterback out of consideration here. We are just ranking the running backs, receivers, and tight ends for fantasy purposes. So basically, which group would you want the most? And, uh, you know, the implication is that, uh, you know, the team that we, we draft fourth would – you know, they would trade their skill position group for the team that we draft second. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we try not to put hard parameters here. So, you know, it, a lot of it is in the eye of the beholder, right? You know, some of these teams are, are more well-rounded as far as having a running back, at least one receiver and a tight end that we like. You know, you think about a team like San Francisco, whereas some of them are, are more weighted to a certain position, right? So, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, I like Isaiah Pacheco. We love Travis Kelsey, but wide receiver is a huge question mark. So I think that's where it's going to get fun. That's where there's going to be some subjectivity involved. And then, you know, again, we're not factoring in the quarterback here. So, you know, the Chiefs right. aren't going to be number one overall, but it also matters in how you value the rest of these guys, right? I mean, you, you might love uh, the Drake London, Kyle Pitts combination, but if you don't like Desmond Ritter, you know, maybe that they, they come in a little bit lower than they would if they had a better quarterback. So did, as you went through it, kind of did your, your pre-draft rankings here, were, were there any situations like that that you ran into? Yeah, sure. And I also struggled the concept like who the coordinator is, who the head coach sure. is, you know, what the tendencies are. There's all these things are are, yep. are at issue. I don't think we need to snake it because let's face it, we're not playing anything out. We're just doing this for theory. So uh, it's your this is your baby. Why don't you start okay. us off with team number one? All right, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. This was relatively easy. I would say there were there were three teams to me that were in the running for the number one pick, but I think San Francisco has kind of a combination of what you're looking for here in terms of a player at running back who's going as the number one running back in Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey, a guy who could easily finish as the number one running back. You have a, a high end receiver in Debo Samu. You have a second kind of mid to mid to elite level receiver in Brandon Ayuk, somebody I think I'm higher on than the general consensus. And then you have a top five tight end. I think they are 
the 49ers to me are, are clearly the most well-rounded of all these skill position groups. They're the only team I think that we're going to talk about that you feel really, really good about their running back. You feel really, really good about their top two receivers and the tight end. Like the, the tight end is key here because there's a lot of teams that have good running back, a couple good receivers, and then an iffy tight end. The 49ers have it all. I had the Niners at two. Uh, okay. So, and I, you know, I think, and we'll, I'll tell you my number one here in a second when I get the second pick, but um I think I, I agree with all of what you said. And even like Elijah Mitchell is a really good backup when healthy. Right. Christian McCaffrey went healthy. Debo went healthy. That's I, Kittle went healthy. These are the things that kind of made me just slightly dial it back just a little bit there. Um, and of course, you know, this is why we care so much about who wins the Niners QB job because they're mm-hmm. getting the keys to this Ferrari here. So, uh, uh, you know, all that. So, yes. This is this is an elite unit, and I th- this hits the concept of, you know, regardless of who the QB is, we're, we're excited about these players, and we just want a QB that doesn't hurt them, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, my number one's the Eagles. Uh, okay. and I think you got two elite wide receivers. You got a really excellent tight end in Goddard. Uh, and the running back room, I think, is just phenomenal. I mean, Swift Penny uh, digging even down to Gainwell. Uh, I, I think they've got there. I think they're just loaded there. Um, I think mm-hmm. conceptually, I, I love the way they maximize the talent of these, uh, the, these skill position players too. Uh, I, I think that uh, they, they scheme these guys real now losing their offensive coordinator. That's a concern. Of course, I, mm-hmm. I do worry about that just a little bit. Uh, but I, I think this is a team that's just loaded for bear. Um, and it's a, it was pretty much for me, it was a coin flip between, uh, you know, between the Eagles mm-hmm. and the Niners. Yeah, I so th- the Eagles were, of course, one of the three teams in the running for me. Uh, the team that we'll get to next will, will be the other, of course. Um, you know, I try to put more of a, a true fantasy spin on this, I guess. So, like, in some ways, I'm almost penalizing the Eagles for the glut of running backs that they have because, right. you know, you can't, you can't start all four of those guys, right? And you're probably only rostering maybe two of them. So, uh, like, I, I think if we were doing best real-life skill position groups, then I would take the Eagles number one. But – the fact that we we are kind of concerned about, you know, what is DeAndre Swift's workload going to be? Can Rashad Penny stay healthy? Like, how much is Kenny Gainwell going to start stealing snaps from some of these guys? Like, to me, right. the depth that they have is almost a minus from a fantasy perspective, but it's, it's certainly a plus in real life. It is. It absolutely is. Um, so, all right, who's your number three? The Cincinnati Bengals. The yes, team that I too. thought for sure you were going to take at number two. Uh, I had them at number two on my list here. Uh, Joe Mixon, you know, somebody who's starting to steadily climb up draft boards uh, i think he's going to hit a ceiling at, at some point here but now that the you know concerns about the contract and you know we'll see about the off-field stuff if that ends up coming into play here but the contract concerns at least have subsided so i'm comfortable with where he's going you have you know a, an ultra elite receiver in jamar chase you have the best i think number two receiver in the league at t higgins uh, and then you know it, to me this is a tough one because like i, I almost i like their number three receiver uh, more than I like their tight end. Uh, so, you know, like Irv Smith to yeah. me is, is somewhat of a minus here. Is their, their third starting tight end in three years. I, I think this is a good landing spot for him. I, I'm, you know, kind of optimistic about what he can be in this offense, but I, I almost give them bonus points for Tyler Boyd because I, I think they have the best one, two, three at receiver in the league. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Uh, I like Boyd. I even like uh, the kid that they drafted out of Princeton, Iosa Ivas, uh, uh, easy for me to say. Um, and then even like Trent Irwin had his uh, contributions mm-hmm. last year, but then that might be just be donning the orange and black glasses. I like Irv Smith. I like the idea of Irv Smith, but he, he hasn't been yep. able to stay healthy in quite a while. I'm actually more concerned at running back. Uh, I think Mixon has had a drop-off in efficiency. He's not out of the legal woods yet. In fact, I think a trial is starting today, if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. on that. Uh, so that's something to watch for. And then the the backups, Travion, Travion Williams is hurt. Chase Brown is could be fun. Chris Evans could be fun. But the, he's another one of those guys, Chris Evans, is the idea of Chris Evans is better than the actual execution of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the running back room is definitely a step behind both of those two teams. Yeah, the Mixon thing, you know, if, if the legal issues become a problem, then, you know, the, then you probably bump the Bengals down maybe a spot or two. But I mean, the the, the floor with, with both of the receivers, or really all three of the receivers to me is, is so high that they're they're tough to omit from that top three. Uh, I mean, Joe Mixon, it, it felt like he did take a step back last year. And, you know, he had the one big game in the middle of the year that, that kind of buoyed a lot of his production. But he finished as the RB10 in PPR leagues, and now he's going as the RB15. So I, I feel like there's a good chance he's at least going to meet value 
uh, again, assuming that the legal issues aren't something that that cost him any time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, it's it, that's the tricky part. Okay, this is where I think the draft begins. Oh yeah, I think time. there's a pretty clear top three, and I think you could submit seven different teams for team team number four. Uh, but I'll bravely take that chance anyhow. I'm going to go with the Chargers uh, as my Ooh. number four. Um, I think you got Eckler first of all, who's just such a dynamic offensive player, you know, you know, he can run between the tackles. He's proven that he can do that. He's amazing in the past game. They added a first round wide receiver in Quentin Johnson to go with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams tight ends, obviously a little shaky here. This is where they get a, a, a drawback there. And they just yeah. added Kellen Moore as our offensive coordinator. And that, that to me is a really big plus. Uh, I'm excited to see what this uh, chargers offense can do. I, I, I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts this year. I'm, I'm super excited about them. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, you said it. I think after the top three is where, I mean, there's five, six, seven, eight teams you could take here and probably make a pretty good case for it. Uh, again, we're not valuing Justin Herbert as part of this exercise, but he certainly gives right. a boost to pretty much everybody that we're talking about here, including Austin Eckler. And, you know, tight end is a minus for the Chargers. But to me, there were really only four or five teams, I think, where tight end is even a plus. Exactly. So, you know, it's not it's not you know, relative to like the rest of the league. It's not like they're in the basement here. I mean, there's a couple teams that we'll talk about at some point that, you know, they don't even have a tight end going in like the top 25 at the position. Whereas you know, I, I kind of like Gerald Everett, right? I mean, he was a top 15 tight end last year and, you know, once he got beyond that top five or six, you know, all those guys are separated by only like a point per game. So we're not talking about a huge gap there, but I still think he's a top half tight end. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you on everything you said. I mean, Eckler's is incredible, especially in PPR. You got a third receiver to give you a little more insurance if, and when Mike Williams or Keenan Allen get hurt. Uh, so I'm, I'm totally on board here. I had the Chargers at five uh, on my list, but totally okay, okay with them. Not going so far forward. off. Nice. No, not at all. Uh, I'm going to take the team that I have highest on my board. And, you know, I kind of made a list of teams that I was higher on than I expected to be and lower on than I expected to be. This, this was number one for me in terms of teams that I did not think I would have in my top five. The Minnesota Vikings, Jeff. We're, we're going with Minnesota here. Alexander okay. Madison at running back. You, you got Justin Jefferson at receiver. You got a, a first-round talent. In Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, who I think is now goes from a you know kind of a mid-level number three guy. You know Adam Thielen, you know, can't really depend on him week to week. Now he's like a pretty clear number three, and I, I think a you know a guy who as he continues to develop is going to be really good in that role. And then another team that has a plus at tight end here, and that's kind of the reason that they jumped some of the other teams below them. TJ Hawkinson. So yeah, you know, I, I I took the average of where these guys come in in the last two weeks in NFFC drafts and. Madison, Jefferson, Addison, and Hawkinson, uh, on average, that, that comes in at 48.8 overall, uh, which was third behind only the 49ers and the Eagles in terms of the, the average ADP of their top four guys. So, again, did not expect Minnesota to, to be in my top five. I, I don't know that we necessarily think of them in that light, but um, I also gave kind of a slight bump for Justin Jefferson being the best receiver in the league and being completely bulletproof through his first three years. Yeah, top four uh, skill position players, all with the son surname too. So we got that going for us. A little alliteration, <laughs> little little rhythm to it there. Uh, I like it. I had him a little lower, but I think I I, I might be wrong about that. I'm actually persuaded mm -hmm. uh, that I had him too low. I had him like eleven. Um, okay. Now Osborne and Addison are a little on the un, uh, like the unproven side, um, yeah. but. Then again, the tight end boost that you're talking about. And also, I guess Madison's a little bit on the unproven side for me, too. Right. But uh, but yeah, you do get the boost from the number one overall player also. So um, right. I'm yeah, I can see it. I could dance. To yeah. It. Well, like you said, you have you have the number one receiver and you have the number three tight end in terms of ADP. Like to me, like just having you know, two you know, two of the top three guys at their position. Uh, you know, to me, like you have you know, conceivably they could each finish number one at their position. And, you know, to me, that's that's worth. Uh, you know, kind of a, a bump over some guys that are some teams that maybe have more reliable depth, but don't have that same kind of upside. But really, really, it comes down to Madison. If you're high on him, then I think you're nodding sure. along and saying, yeah, I can see Minnesota at five. If you're not a Madison guy, if you're worried about the depth behind him, then yeah, this probably seems like a reach. Exactly. Before we get to uh, uh, team number six, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead, at least my number six. Uh, we're going to go share another note from our friends at Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. 
Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Are you coming from another service? Not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Is there anything lacking in your currently current fancy league manager manager? Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion. You don't want to miss sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We've gone through five teams so far. We did Niners, number one, Eagles, number two, Bengals, three, consensus, number three, uh, Chargers. I went four, Nick's five, and then just did the Vikings, which is Nick's fourth, my 11th. Um, might go off the board here for my five, six overall. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars, Nick. Ooh. I'm going to warm the cockles of your cold heart here with this one here. Go a little do ball here. I, I, I think they got a lot of skill all over the place. First of all, Calvin Ridley. I mean, I think there's a huge upside. People forget he's a wide receiver one when at least at the peak of his powers, Christian Kirk took a, was, was a big contributor last year. We, I think everyone mocked the signing and then everyone said, Oh yeah, it kind of worked out. Uh, you've got Evan Ingram. Everybody mocked that one. Oh, it worked out. Now maybe this new signing, maybe we'll mock again, but he's been very productive. And then you have the backfield. I love Travis Etienne still. I there's a lot of Etienne hate on my timeline, and I gotta say it, it it distresses me because I think he's a hell of a player. Um, I know. Well, he he came out on third down in a preseason game. He might not get goal line carries. It's all Tank Bigsby. He's gonna eat his lunch. I don't think so. But Tank Bigsby is good. It's good that they have a guy that they can turn to. I think Etienne's still a clear starter. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a dynamic player. I I like the skill positions on this team that they've got Trevor Lawrence surrounded with. You have the Jags at six. That's exactly where they were on my list. So if you didn't take them here, I was I was certainly going to take them with the number seven pick. Uh, they, they're kind of the perfect combination of some really high upside pieces, especially yep. Etienne and Ridley, and you know just a really well rounded group. I mean, even their third receiver in Zay Jones, uh, I think is going to have some value in deeper leagues. You know, Evan Ingram is you know kind of top five, top six tight end. So right on the borderline, you know, probably the the end of tight ends that really give you a plus in this category. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think, uh, again, we're, we're going to keep repeating this quarterback's not a part of it, but you're, you're kind of baking in some progression for, from yeah. Trevor Lawrence. You know, you're kind of thinking we'll see the guy, uh, that, that, that we saw over the last seven or eight games of last year, not the first seven or eight. Uh, so yeah, not, not much else to say on the Jags, man. I mean, this is astonishing. I think if we had done this exercise, like any time in the last 20 years, there's no way that we would have the Jags in the, the, you know, the top five conversation, you know, let alone the top 10 or top 15, uh, but but I'm with you. They they have a, a lot of depth on the offense. Uh, still some concerns, I think, about the offensive line. Um, you know, not something we we took too much uh, account for in an exercise like this. But right. you know, they they are one of those teams where you know they're like one or two offensive line injuries away from having one of the worst lines in the NFL. So that's a concern. But yeah, in terms of pure talent, I mean, they came in. I think they were fourth overall uh, when you look at the average ADP of their running back, their top two receivers, and their tight end. Yeah, I like that you actually have a methodology as opposed to my seat of the pants uh, subject. Yeah. I like. Well, I, I didn't. For what it's worth, I didn't. I didn't just put my teams in that order. Uh, I just wanted to have those numbers for reference. And the reason that I didn't is because the Bengals, I think, are the ultimate example here, where it's like you know, Mixon, Chase, Higgins. I don't know what their average ADP is, but it's super high. And then Irv Smith going as late as he does, like that. That that kind of artificially messes things up. So I wanted sure. to have the numbers to reference, but I, I don't think it's fair to just go down the list in terms of that average ADP, because you know, a lot of teams, the tight end drags it down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I absolutely can see it there. The Jimmy Smith, uh, Fred Taylor peak teams there. They might've, they might've cracked top five, by the way. Yeah. So we're, I guess, yeah, we, if we go back like 21 years, then yeah, maybe. I know that it puts you in like your infancy. So I, I get it there, but uh, mm-hmm. me, I was still an adult at that point in time. So I, I feel I, I view them fondly. All right. Mm-hmm. Who's next on our list? Oh man. I mean, there are, 
I'm going to go with the team that I have next on my list. I I really don't feel good about it. Again, I think there are probably six or seven teams you could take here and totally justify it. I am going with the Cleveland Browns. Okay. You got an elite running back in Nick Chubb. You have a kind of borderline elite receiver in Amari Cooper, a kind of the number two receiver that you want in an exercise like this, Elijah Moore, where you you, you could talk yourself into, you know, a, a breakout season. Obviously it could go the other way as well. You got a solid number three, at people's Jones. And then you have David and Joku at tight end. He's going off yeah. the board as a tight end 10 right now, not necessarily a plus, but not really a minus at that position either. Uh, but really the it, it, Chubb and Cooper to me are, are the ones that anchor this. Like Nick Chubb is like the most reliable running back. You can take in fantasy. I feel really good uh, about Amari Cooper's floor this season as well. Um, I, I feel like maybe I'm a little high on the Browns just because the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson, but Certainly, if that part of this breaks right, then you know I think the Browns could maybe even be a spot or two higher. So number seven in our draft, number eight on my list. So I'm right there with you. Uh, all the reasons you state, I, I maybe running back depth is a concern now that Kareem Hunt's yeah. gone and Jerome Ford's already banged up a little bit. Uh, but man, Njoku's great. I, I, I think if he could ever you know give us a full season, he, he could be a top five tight end. So I, I'm I'm fully on board with you on this one here. Uh, a team that I had slightly ahead of the Browns, but uh, you know, only slightly is the Buffalo Bills. And I kind of struggled with this one here too, because you know, so much of their their value is generated from Josh Allen. You know, you don't want to like, oh, well, yeah, of course they're great because of Allen, but I just think there's legitimate good talent. I mean, you, you have an elite wide receiver in Diggs. Uh, they I think they sp- they spent a first round pick on Kincaid. Gabe Davis has got a huge upside, some obviously, you know some week to week concerns. Uh, I think cook and Harris are solid backs and I kind of still, I kind of like Khalil Shakur. Uh, I, I think he's, I know he had that bad drop uh, in the playoffs, but I still think uh, he's got some upside too. Yeah. I had the bills uh, quite a bit lower. They were kind of in like the, the early teens for okay. me. And part of it is, is the uncertainty, right? I, I think they're the team where I, you know, I could look, I could look back at this list at the end of the season and say, how, how did I have the bills at 13? That's insane. You know, they should be in the top seven. Uh, but you know, James cook first year as a starter, Gabe Davis coming off of a really disappointing year. I'm with you. I'm, I'm buying back in on Gabe Davis at cost. I, I think I, I still want a piece of the number two receiver in what's going to be a really productive offense. And then of course, Dalton Kincaid is, is yet to play an official NFL snap. So, you know, that, that one could, could certainly break, right. I, I, I love this upside, everything about him that we've heard in the preseason has been overwhelmingly positive. He's going ahead of Dawson Knox now in drafts. I think that's a great sign, uh, but there, there's just not, there, there's not enough sure things outside of Stefan Diggs uh, for me to, to consider the bills inside the top 10. And then, like you said, I mean, this is one that I think there's a difference between real life value and fantasy value because Josh Allen generates so much of this and we're you know trying our best to remove him from the equation. Yep. That's right. Um, it is that's and that's really the tricky part about that there. Uh, yeah. it's, it's hard, hard to put a exact percentage of the value there on that one. Okay. Who's your next team? Our number, I guess this would be our number nine uh, combined team here. Yep. Number nine pick overall, a team that I had number eight on my list, the Kansas city chiefs. Okay. Really tough evaluation, really tough evaluation. And much like, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson being number one at his position, pushed Minnesota up the board for me. Uh, I'm doing the same thing with Travis Kelsey. And I, I think even more so just because he's been so dominant and he's so far and away the number one tight end uh, that, that to me, that that's worth a lot, you know, just having that guy alone, like almost throwing out all the uncertainty at receiver. Uh, it's such a big advantage to have that guy in fantasy uh, that to me, I, I think I had to put the chiefs in the top 10, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the way that he's able to elevate talent, especially at receiver, I think in ways that really no other quarterback in the league right now can do. Uh, we would feel <laughs> imagine if, if like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins was the Chiefs quarterback. I, I would not have the Chiefs in the top 10, but I, I trust Mahomes to elevate guys like Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore is going just inside the, in the top 100 now. And, you know, I'm an Isaiah Pacheco guy. So I, I think there, there are probably some people listening saying you're overrating Pacheco. He's not that good. If you believe that, then sure, the Chiefs should probably be a couple of spots lower. But, um, you know, the, Kelsey alone to me, I, I just felt like I had to get this team inside the top 10. With that said, this offense last year did not support a top 25 receiver in PPR. They only had one receiver finish in the top 50 in PPR league. So if, if you want to push back on that at all, I understand it. Yeah. Um, and I think the crowded running back room is the other issue there too. I mean, yeah. I mean, depth is good for real life again, but yep. I mean, even CEH could be a part of this picture here. Um, 
yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Uh, I'll, I'll share my, my next one here and then uh, we'll share a quick note, but my next team is the Detroit lions. And oh. I know this is going to be, uh, you know, some of the teams that don't make the top 10, I can see this like cause for outrage among others, but here's what I like about the lions. I mean, I, I mean, the, I think there's a lot of things to like at, actually about them. First of all, the sun God, I mean, he, he he's a borderline first round pick, he, otherwise yeah. a second round pick. Uh, Jamison Williams is obviously a huge wild card on this team. I want pieces of, I want him in some leagues late. I want to get, definitely get some shares. And I even think Marvin Jones is a solid number three. And then there's Jameer Gibbs and he's turning heads everywhere. He goes, you know, every play he, he's like a training camp hero right now. They spent money on David Montgomery. That's a solid one too. And Sam Laporta is another guy that's drawing raves uh, as a rookie. So this is team spec. This is definitely uh but we saw they had an amazing, yeah. a, a really amazing uh, offense last year for most of the season. You know, yep. their, their points per game. I mean, some of this is because they're in a lot of tickets to the carnival games, but I, I think they're going to be in that, those type of games again. Yeah, you said what I was about to say. I, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think, I think the defense will be marginally better, but not, not a whole lot better. And I, I think they're going to have to continue to outscore teams week to week. There's, we're still going to see those like 43 to, to 38 type of games. Uh, that felt like we're, we're an every week thing for a while uh, for the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, I, I have no problem with this one. I mean, again, we're, we're, we're going to end up leaving some teams out that I feel like a lot of people would think are locks for the top 10 or the top 15. But if you're chasing upside here, uh, you know, I think the Gibbs and Jamison Williams combo, and you can even throw Laporta in there as well. It's like if you're if you're somebody that tends to play fantasy a little bit more conservatively, you know, you, you go for known commodities, then you probably have the Lions a little bit lower. But I mean, like you said, everything's looked great with Jameer Gibbs. He looks super, super quick. Um, you know, I, I think you could look at it as somewhat problematic, you know, not knowing what the workload split is going to be between he and David Montgomery. But I think both of those guys are going to be productive. You know, I, no notes on St. Brown. You said it really well there, borderline first round pick. Uh, I, I have them a little bit lower just because I, I'm – I'm skeptical of Jamison Williams. He has one career catch. You know, his coach mm -hmm. is calling him out for not being a good catcher of the football, which is not ideal as an NFL receiver. And he's going to miss the first six games of the year. So, you know, if he was going to be ready to go for week one, I would have them a few spots higher. But I think, you know, for the first month and a half of the season, uh, they could really struggle to find an established number two guy, especially if Laporta doesn't hit right away. Where did you have them? I had them down at 17. Okay. That 17. Yeah, but again, I'm willing to acknowledge, you know, like eight through 18 or 19 to me, those could go in just about any order. Well, I, and yeah, that's the point. If you if I had like a team at three and you had them at 10, that would be a bigger yeah. deal than 10 and 10 versus 17. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that that and the whole point of this exercise, too, is like we're identifying these teams because we want to get pieces of them in drafts or like you want to get stacks mm -hmm. of them in best ball. Um, And this is right. a team that I think you, you still I think this could be possible fun stacks. So. Just throwing that out there before we get into the, the next grouping a uh, quick note from our friends at rival fantasy if you're looking to play for a place to play head-to-head -head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments salary caps or complicated game types then rival fantasy is where you want to play this nfl season for a twist on a classic game with fantasy bingo where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo to head-to-head -head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points this is the best of fantasy sports for the 2023 season NFL season rival fantasy is offering new users a 20. I mean, excuse me. Rival uh, fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival fantasy is so confident. You'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. And these first play specials are so important when you're trying out a new product uh, in, in this space in, in particular, it's really important. So $200 deposit match, $25 first play voucher. Uh, they're, they're just giving you this money out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. All right, we're at pick number 11 here, Nick. Uh, let's go about like six more. Uh, okay. and then we can talk about our notable admissions. Who do you got next? Yeah, we'll get through the, the first half of the league here and then kind of talk about um, you know a few, a few other teams. As you mentioned, the, the floodgates are open here. Uh, you know, I think for me, after Kansas City was kind of the last team that I felt like I needed to get into the top 10. After that, mm -hmm. um, you could go in any direction. I'm going with a, a, a high-variance offense here, but one that I, I'm going to trust because I, I like the quarterback. I, I think you know, new offensive coordinator you know, can always go either way, but I, I'm, I'm encouraged about the direction this offense is going to move. 
the Baltimore Ravens. I have yep. them at number nine on my list. J.K. Dobbins, big, big question mark at running back. Uh, if he stays healthy, if he can get healthy and stay healthy, I think that becomes a plus. But, you know, understandable uh, if you're staying away from him. Uh, you, you got three receivers, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, uh, all going in the same range in drafts, which is both good and bad. You know, I, I think that could be uh, frustrating for some fantasy managers, but I think at least one of those guys ends up hitting. And then the reason that, that the Ravens ended up landing in my top 10, they have one of the big time pluses at the tight end position, the sure. bona fide tight end number two in Mark Andrews. Yeah. And so, and that's one of the things I've not, you know, we can kind of point out between the differences between my ranks and your ranks is you maybe put a bigger emphasis on the tight end uh, position there. And, but that said, I was right there with the Ravens. I'm with you. Um, I, I think that they were my next pick as well. Uh, I think there's, they're one of three teams I would have had a hard time choosing between, but uh, I mean, we're talking, this could be a team that goes to the moon with the new offensive coordinator. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, again, it not could go hopefully. the other way. Right? Not hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> not. Yeah. I'm willing to acknowledge that. I, I you know, I, I'm not a big plant my flag guy. Like, I, I'm realistic. This could go badly for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after building an offense, you know, catered exactly to what Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, what he does best over the last few years, this is going to be a big time change. But I, I think it's going to be a change for the better. And, and like you said, I, I did put more of an emphasis on the tight end position, trying to give some weight, you know, especially if you're comparing the Ravens to, say, the Lions. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the running backs and the receivers are comparable in some ways. You know, obviously, the Lions get the edge with Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, I, I think the running back position uh, is somewhat of a wash you know, for, for some different reasons. But Mark Andrews is going 10 rounds ahead of Sam Laporta. So to me, that was something that tipped the scales in Baltimore's favor. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, and it's interesting how this this whole thing goes. Like, uh, when, you know, for the longest time, like, oh, yes, they finally designed an offense around uh, Lamar's skills. You know, now, oh, thank God we got rid of that offensive coordinator. Um, it, it, it's quickly how I should say it's interesting how quickly the winds change uh, as far as mm-hmm. that goes. Yeah, no question. No question. And I, I'm excited to see it. Uh, you know, again, we're not we're not valuing Lamar Jackson as part of this, but uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a really fun offense, a really diverse offense. And I think this is, you know, by far the, the most well-rounded skill position group that Lamar Jackson has had. And if you're looking at these receivers from a fantasy perspective, it's like, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're going through a draft and you're like, man, you know, I, I could take Bateman, Beckham or Flowers here and nobody would really bat an eyelash. But I, I, I think the other way to look at it is, all right, if, if you're getting this skill position group on your fantasy team as a whole, you know, for the sake of this yeah. exercise, that's kind of what we're imagining. You're getting three bites at the apple at receiver with, with, you know, all three guys have considerable upside. Exactly. All right. Next team on my list. I'm going to go Dallas Cowboys. Uh, okay. there, there's a lot of people that probably like, why aren't they higher? How could you go right. Lions over the Cowboys? Um, and it's a good question. I mean, you've got CD lamb. You got a first round pick there. You got Tony Pollard, a lot of love for Tony Pollard in our community. And then you got, okay. Brandon cooks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gallup. Can they, either of them stay healthy? They wasted an early draft pick on Jalen Tolbert and barely played him last year. Third round pick. Uh, maybe he, you know, he's had a strong off season. This is the year. All right, it's only year two, so maybe you should be patient. But they've got an uncertain uh, tight end sp- uh, spot. I like Jake Ferguson. I think he can play. Yep. But they spent an early pick on Luke Shoemaker. I, I mean, I'm kind of confused. And then on top of that, you have a new offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, and you've got uh, the head coach calling the plays and talking about how he wants to throw the ball less, mm-hmm. how he wants to slow things down. He's not about outscoring people. He wants to, you know, they want to win, obviously, but – you know, he doesn't want to get into shootouts, basically. These are things that kind of keep me away. Yeah, Dallas is one of those teams that I thought I would have higher. They're, they're on my list of, uh, you know, I thought they would be in top five consideration. And as I went through it, you know, they were a, a borderline top 10 team for me. I had them at 13 in my rankings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of, it's the two guys at the top that are pulling a lot of weight here. And that's going to become a common theme, I think, when we get through these next few picks. You know, when you're talking about the 14th best skill position group in the league, you know, you're not going to have four guys that you feel great about. And yeah, I'm very pro Tony Pollard. Uh, Everybody loves CD lamb. No complaints about either of those guys, but you know, you're bringing in a veteran and Brandon cooks, you know, Michael Gallup is is still a part of this wide receiver core, but feels like he hasn't been relevant in a few years. And then, like you said, big, big question mark at tight end. I mean, I've watched Jake Ferguson a ton at Wisconsin over the years. I think there is some upside here, but going from a, a, you know, established known commodity in Dalton Schultz to you know a guy who's really barely played at the NFL level in Ferguson. That's, that's a big question mark for me. So yep. the fact that they only had two guys that I feel like you can really lock in and, and depend on for 17 weeks that that pushed them down a bit. 
Understandable. Who's your next team? All right. Uh, we are now getting into the, I love the players, but I don't love the quarterback and or the system for some of them. You're going with the Atlanta Falcons as my, yeah, on my list. number 13 overall pick. I had them at 10 in my rankings. Uh, Bijan Robinson at running back. Not much to say there. Uh, th- this is a team where I almost feel like, you know, like I, I'm almost, I'm, I'm adding Tyler Algier as a second running back instead of uh, a second receiver, uh, which is, you know, kind of fudging this a little bit, but sure. uh, it says a lot, Jeff, that the Atlanta Falcons kicker is going well ahead of their second receiver in NFFC drafts right now. Uh, Matt Collins, I think is technically the number two guy. I was uh, just so going to is... say name three wide receivers on the Falcons challenge here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't, I don't, do they have a Lamade Zacchaeus anymore? I, I don't think they do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is one where it's kind of feast or famine where you, you, you love Bijan, you love Drake London, uh, Kyle Pitts could go either way. If you're in on him, maybe you bump the Falcons up a little bit, but to me, there's still significant, significant variance there, but uh, nonetheless, I'm willing to acknowledge the upside. And then, you know, you have a quarterback who I think started what four games at the end of last year, where we're still not really sure what he's going to be. So this is one where, you know, I think if you played the game of like, you know, would, would another team trade their running back receiver tight end for the running back receiver tight ends that the Falcons have? It's like, yeah, I think a lot of teams would, would love to have that Bijan yeah. London Pitts combo. But, uh, you know, I, I think Kyle Pitts, especially, I, I just I really worry about even if he stays healthy, what his usage is going to be. Like, I think his upside is lower in the Falcons offense than it would be for just about any team ahead of them on the list. Yep. My number 15, and it is the big three. I mean, that's really all there is about it there. And then, yeah. you, you know, and the thing is, Algier and Patterson kind of count. Not, but the, neither of them are, you know, the, the, most teams you wouldn't use that calculus there. Patterson, I mean, you can kind of list him as a wide receiver. Uh, right. I, if you're doing, but not for the sake of our name three receivers challenge. For what it's worth, Drake London, then you go Matt, Matt Collins. I look at Scotty Miller and Kaderil Hodge on their depth chart. J.J. Arcega, Arcega, Whiteside's on that team now. I mean, he's well down on the depth chart. He may not even make the team, but I mean, that's the, just the point. There's going to be like these t- these touchdown vultures that are just going to steal touchdowns. They're going to yeah. like, uh, you're going to get the that helps nobody crowd uh, going screaming on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think it helps almost yeah. everybody. Uh, it's the zero sum right. game thing. At this range in the draft, there's going to be a major caveat for every team that we're talking about. And, and for the Falcons, it's it's that wide receiver two spot. No question. I mean, uh, again, just to really hammer this home, the New York Giants defense is going ahead of the Falcons second receiver. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next team on my list, the New York Jets. Um, tough decision here because th- this could, depth is kind of an issue here. But I love Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall is, is a the ultimate boomer bust player this year. Uh, Alan Lazard, I think, has got some value, but already looking at the number two. I mean, it, it depth is kind of the question. They've got like three running backs that could all be very good. Four, really. Michael Carter, uh, yeah. Abaconda, I think, has got some juice to him. Uh, Abanacanda, excuse me. I always get that. I always mispronounce his name. Uh, but yeah, and it, it's one of those like, okay, they've never had a tight end worth anything. Conklin, Uzama, I mean, yeah, you could yep. use them here and there. I mean, I'm not making a very good case for them, but uh, they're, they're there for me. They're my next one. Yeah, I think there's kind of the, you know, hard to quantify Aaron Rodgers bump here uh, that I understand. I, I had the Jets quite a bit lower. They were kind of in my honorable mentions, honestly. And, you know, Garrett Wilson alone, yep. you know, might might be enough. You know, if he turns That's in like fair. a top three receiver season, I understand it. Uh, you know, I'm, I've just kind of been out on Brees Hall. Love the player, just not somebody I want to chance it with. Uh, in fantasy and you know after those two there's a huge huge drop off like you know you got Garrett Wilson's going 17 overall on average Brees Hall's going 42 on average in the NFFC there's not another Jet drafted until Aaron Rodgers at 124 and then Alan Lazard at 125 and then you have another massive gap before another Jet skill position player is drafted and that's Michael Carter outside of the top 200 so this was a tough one for me because I I love Garrett Wilson I, I acknowledge the upside with Brees Hall for sure uh, but if you're if you're skeptical of Brees Hall staying healthy, as I am, you combine that with the the lack of depth uh, beyond Garrett Wilson, and then as you alluded to, the fact that there's really no productive tight end to speak of. There hasn't been one in New York forever. And the other thing with that is, you know, Aaron Rodgers has never, you know, early in his career, I guess, you know, Jamichael Finley had some decent years. He had the one year with Robert Tunyon, but you know, it's not like Aaron Rodgers has been this guy who consistently elevates tight ends. So I, you know, certainly it's a bump for Tyler Conklin, uh, you know, going from what the QB situation was last year to Aaron Rodgers, but I, I still don't really think Tyler Conklin is, is on the radar 
uh, you know, unless you're talking like one of the final picks in a draft. So I like the upside. I like the top two guys, but not enough depth for me with the Jets. I, I, I'm amazed at what an afterthought Corey Davis is, uh, yeah. you know, because I remember when he was a big signee, you know, it was like a big deal that he signed with the Jets. Then I looked at his, his career and he's never had a thousand yard season. So, yeah. yeah, still kind of clinging to that draft pedigree. And, you know, somebody that I've, I'm always going to believe in, loved him at Western Michigan. You know, it doesn't feel like he's been in a great situation yet. And maybe this is it. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, too many unknowns for the Jets. Yeah, I, I'm i feeling like I probably should have had him lower. But, well, this is part of the exercise here. All right, who's next? All right, I'm picking between two here. And I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. On my list. number 15. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker, of course, Zach Charbonnet, uh, who looked good in flashes in the preseason opener. You have one of the best one, two, threes in the league at receiver in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Tight end, definitely not a strength, but uh, you know, not a, a glaring minus in the way that it is for some other teams. You know, Noah Fant last year, uh, I believe he was like the tight end 16 in mm-hmm. PPR leagues. So, you know, kind of right in the middle, right in line with where we have the Seahawks ranked here. Um, but really for me, it's, it's the receivers doing the heavy lifting. I'm, I'm a huge Metcalf guy. I think you have know, Tyler Lockett, you, you worry about what he's going to look like beyond this year, but I think he has one more good year left in him. You have, you know, unbelievable high upside insurance in that receiver core with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, you have a quarterback who took a huge step last year, Geno Smith. Um, but the, the uncertainty at running back to me, this is one too, where in real life, I think I would bump the Seahawks up a little bit, but the, the Walker versus Charbonnet thing, I, I think could end up being more frustrating than, than productive. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I'm worried obviously about uh, Walker's groin injury there, how long that's yeah. going to really be a factor for him. Uh, and the fact that he, he kind of struggled to hold up over the course of the season last year, wasn't great in uh, running in the red zone. Uh, okay. Maybe that's why they got Charbonnet. That's something to watch for there too. All right. Last pick of the draft. Um, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Uh, I, I think that you got, I mean, you got the two elite receivers, first of all. Yeah. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think that's a pretty good good start. You, we have some uncertainty at running back, but we also have a lot of speed at running back. Uh, if A-Chain is, is as good as a lot of people are hyping him up to be, this, this could be all of a sudden. I This is this it has high ceiling possibilities. Top 10, top 5 even upside, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, most are, I think, I think we've all given up on the idea of him as someone we can start week in, week out, but he's a home run hitter in his own right. Wilson's had his moments. Uh, we're just going to skip right over to anybody that plays tight end for them. We're not even going to look at that because that, that part's embarrassing. Uh, but, you know, that, that's not a, been a big part of their offense anyhow. And then, you know, there, there's, they don't have a whole lot of you know depth at wide receiver either. It's the big two. It, it's a very yeah. top-heavy offense. At Cedric Wilson might might – Maybe he'll he'll be worth something. Maybe Smythe or Croft will be worth something. But I still think there's a lot. There's just so much pure, unadulterated speed on this team. Yeah, yeah. The Dolphins were number one for me on my list of teams that I thought would have would have ranked much higher for me. Yeah, and I ended up having them at twelve. So yeah, sixteen. Okay. It's it's kind of kind of in that same grouping. And you know, it's it's really like you said, Hill and Waddle are doing all of the lifting here, a hundred percent of the lifting almost. Yeah. But you know, you're talking about a guy in Hill who could be the number one receiver in fantasy. That wouldn't be shocking. He was in that in that discussion last year. And Jalen Waddle was a, a bona fide top 10 receiver as well. And that was with your starting quarterback in and out of the lineup throughout the year. So, you know, if you're if you're an optimist and you think Tua can, can make it through this year healthy, then I think there's even more upside, especially for Jalen Waddle. He was the guy to me that suffered a little bit more, um, you know, during the, the, the games that Tua missed during the Skylar yeah. Thompson era of Dolphins football. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the tight end, I mean, they, they might be the single biggest minus at tight end of all these teams that we've talked about. In fact, I think they are like when I went, I went through and wrote out, you know, every team's, you know, running backs, receivers, I just have question mark at tight end. Like, I, I guess it's Durham Smythe. Uh, they got rid of Mike Kosicki, uh, who was like a you know, 25th ranked tight end last year, thanks to a couple you know high touchdown games. That was about it. Um, so the fact that they don't really offer you anything at tight end, it was, it was tough for me to consider them in the top 10, even though they have the number one wide receiver duo in fantasy in, in Hill and Waddle. Yep, indeed. Um, okay. Let's go over honorable mentions. The guys that the team, not the uh-huh. guys, the teams that you had on your list that we did not draft. Um, I actually kind of went through my list. I kind of have one team, but we actually, all 16 teams that I listed did get taken. So, uh, yep. pretty cool. Uh, what, what, who, who did we miss uh, from your list? 
So I have a few. My top 13 teams were taken. Um, my 14th and 15th were not. And one of these I, I never expected to have in this discussion, that was the Tennessee Titans. There's no depth on this roster. I want to start with that. If any of these guys get hurt, they're in big trouble. If Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, they're in even bigger trouble. But if you're just looking at your number one running back, your top two receivers, and your tight end, I actually think there's a, kind of a lot to like about Derrick Henry. You know, I'm fully, I'm fully in on him for one more elite season. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins kind of entering a different phase of his career, but you know, even a you know kind of a, a diminished version of DeAndre Hopkins is still a very, very good number one receiver. Traylon Burks, uh, some upside there. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, not fantastic as a rookie, but I think suffered. Uh, you know, along with just the passing game completely tanking for this offense. And then you're going to find a lot of Chickaconquo believers out there as well. I mean, if you look into a lot of the the advanced metrics uh, on Akakwu, I mean, he ranks really, really high, um, you know, kind of a per catch, per snap basis, yards after the catch, things like that. So again, not a lot of depth here, you know, very shaky passing offense in general, a team that kind of feels like it's between two eras right now. But if you're just looking at the top four, uh, I think Tennessee's actually, you know, in the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, who's next? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's kind of a similar thing where I really like the top four. I, I'm in on Najee Harris. I think he'll be healthier this year. I like the version of Najee Harris that we started to see toward the end of the season when he got that plate out of his foot. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, just has to be due for some touchdown progression. He's not going touchdownless again. The targets were still there for the most part. They'll have more stability at quarterback this year. You have a, a high-risk, high-reward option in George Pickens as your second receiver. And then, you know, kind of my favorite mid to late round tight end target in Pat Fryermuth. So uh, the Steelers, you know, they were kind of the team that I wanted to sneak in there at 16 uh, had it not been Miami, but just missed the cut. All right. Uh, my honorable mentions, these are teams that didn't quite make my cut, but I, I wanted to mention them nonetheless. The Giants, uh, because you have Barkley and Waller, such a great start. You have a great offensive, you know, it, Head coach and offensive coordinator that worked really well together to maximize the team's strengths. I'm hearing rave reviews on Daniel Jones this just training camp. I know quarterback, of course, is not really what we're factoring in here, but and then you just have this wide receiver room with all these possibilities and nothing certain. Like Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt could be he could ball out. Uh, I could see yeah. that happening. Hodgins was uh, Isaiah Hodgins was a fun guy last year. Maybe he could be something. Mer you know, Paris Campbell. I think people are dreaming on him. I'm not really. Wandale Robinson was an early pick last year, and you know he's coming back from an injury, so we'll see about that. But there's too many uncertainties to put him in the top 16 in that wide receiver core. But I'm intrigued, nonetheless. Uh, yeah. And that, and then the other team for me is the Saints. Also, yeah, you're starting off with Olave. Uh, who knows what you're going to get on Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, Kendry Miller got banged up yesterday. It sounds like it's a quote unquote minor knee sprain in the spring uh, in the uh, training camp game. And I actually think Juwan Johnson's kind of an interesting guy too. Uh, of course, they've got for every interesting player, they've got like the drag on them too. They've got Taysom Hill. Oh, Jimmy Graham signed. Foster right. Moreau's there. Hey, I mean, we'll just throw in all these little pockets of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Saints were a team I wanted to talk about for sure. Uh, you know, a team that I, I kind of tried to push up, but you know, there's there's a, a ceiling that they kept banging up against and part of that is Kamara missing the first three games of the year mm -hmm. I, I think I'm higher on him than most but you know you got to acknowledge that uh, missing three games is a big deal and you know you're transitioning to a new quarterback the targets haven't been there etc uh you know Mike uh Michael Thomas to me that too is uh you, you're dreaming on a lot there I love Chris Olave, but you know not having a, a dependable number two receiver is a big issue and then you know you mentioned that tight end like Jawan Johnson was quietly a top 15 tight end last year had some pretty big games I think he had three or four games last year yep. with 15 plus fantasy points so the boom weeks are going to be there but you know you have the Taysom Hill factor like you said they, they bring in Foster Moreau as well um so this, this is a team that I think has a lot of depth again a team that if you're looking at you know would you want this group of players in real life I think the answer is probably a bigger yes than it is for fantasy because you're, yeah. you're just really concerned about some of these workload splits, uh, tight end being being number one. But there's there's a decent amount of depth here. I just had to dock them for you know the lack of of reliability at that number two receiver spot because even beyond Michael Thomas, it's like you got you got a couple guys you know you could maybe take a shot on late in the draft, but nobody that you feel great about. People have drafted Traquan Smith before and haven't been very happy with the results. Uh, he was a training camp preseason hero at one point mm -hmm. in time and didn't quite deliver. And then Rashid Shahid has had a couple of moments. They're both banged up, by the way, too, right, right. now. Too, so they're not even getting a ton of reps. Uh, yep. Any other teams you want to hit before we sign off? Yeah, I'll go rapid fire here through just a couple more. Um, okay. you, know, you mentioned the Giants. I Saquon and Waller, I love, but 
and I know we, you know, there's some teams that have had like no production at tight end and they made our top 16, but not having a single reliable receiver to me, that's, that's a much bigger deal. It's like when your first receiver off the board is the wide receiver 67 in yeah. NFFC drafts, like that is a big, big problem. And you don't have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes to uh, fall back on, you know, raising the floor for those guys. So the giants, you know, um, you know, they, they, they kind of check two out of three boxes, but the one that they're missing is a pretty big deal to me. Uh, you know, the Denver Broncos, everybody's down on them, but it's like, you know, if you're a Javante Williams guy, uh, you know, there, there's a lot to like there. I mm-hmm. am not personally, but if you are, I get it. Uh, you got Judy and Sutton, a pretty solid one, too. And then Greg Dolchich, you know, a little bit of upside there at tight end. So they were in consideration for me. Uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders are interesting because they had like the best running back in the league last year and one of the three best receivers in Devonte Adams. But uh, you're getting almost nothing at tight end. You, know, you got a rookie in Michael Mayer, you have no reliability beyond Devonte Adams. And then, you know, again, we're not trying to take quarterback into consideration here, but feels like there could be a, a pretty big downgrade and, and significant downside if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. So they were, they were on the outside looking in. And then the other two teams I had on my list were the Packers and the commanders. Yep. Uh, a lot of variance there. I mean, the commanders, the running back position, it was going to be really frustrating. The Gibson Robinson thing. I've, just, I've been staying far away from that, but you know, McLaurin and Dotson uh, like both of those guys, uh, but they're another team that just has, you know, huge, huge question marks at tight end. I guess it's going to be Logan Thomas. Nothing exciting there. Not somebody I'm drafting in any leagues. Um, and then the Packers are, are kind of the same thing. You, know, you got some some really young talent. Uh, you have an established guy in Aaron Jones, but another team with, you know, uh, they're probably not going to be a tight end on that roster that finishes in the top 20. Yeah. Uh, and that that's definitely a drag when, especially when you're trying to find that definition elsewhere there. All right. This is fun. This is a fun little exercise. Hopefully uh, people get some value out of it, trying to figure out like which teams they want to target in these drafts, which teams are the wagons, if you will. So uh, hopefully that helps out. Big thanks to our uh, uh, listeners. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Fantrax and Circa and Rival. Thank you for uh, chiming in, uh, listening to us today. Good luck in your drafts. We got uh, Joe and Jake coming up tomorrow. Take care.